I want to start a new series that I've titled uh, just Fellowship. Um, and this really is the word that the Lord has given me for our congregation uh, for 2023. Uh, many of you know that many of you were here and, and know that uh, what the Lord was speaking to us last year overall was draw near to God. And uh, this year, I feel like what he's saying is, is draw near to each other. Um, draw near to one another. And, and so we're going to use that concept as we start to talk about fellowship. Now, when I use the word fellowship, you instantly think about something involving food or coffee, <laughs> right? Because that's what we've turned fellowship into as the church now. Like, oh, let's fellowship. We mean, like, let's get together and eat something, Tony right? Or let's go out, Denise, let's go, get a, let's go get a cup of coffee. And there's nothing wrong with that, but fellowship is so much more deeper than food and coffee. And so today we want to really start to uh, dig into that. Um, in the last couple years have been rough, right? You know, when you think of COVID and economic issues and all, just, just everything that's going on. You know, the last couple of years have been very difficult for just about everybody. Um, and we can fall into this habit if we're not careful of just dealing with it on our own, whatever it is. But, but God has not created us to, to deal with things on our own. He's, he's created us to be relational. He's a relational God. That's why he's the, the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. That's why he says, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's a relational God. And so he's created us to be in relationship, not just with him, but also with other people. I feel sad for the Christian people that believe all I, it's just me and Jesus. That's all I need. It's like Jesus didn't even say that. Right? So let's, let's get healed from our brokenness or let's get healed for our disappointments that has caused us to put up walls so that we can truly enter into relationship with other people. Because you're not going to get to a place of your fulfilled purpose and destiny, just you and Jesus. Well, we just sung he's enough. He is. But sometimes he puts his enough in other people. Right? That's like my pastor used to always say, like God loves people through people. Pastor Gordon would always tell us that God loves people through people. So I started to look at people differently, <laughs> you know? And so it's not enough for us to deal with it on our own. We need to enter into fellowship. Now, that Greek word that we translate fellowship, it's, it's koinonia. And it means literal, like partnership. It means to come into partnership with one another. And in this partnership, we are to be exchanging thoughts and feelings. We're also to be in a place where we desire and even participate in being a blessing to others. You can't truly be in fellowship with a mask on. How you doing, brother? Oh, I'm blessed and highly favored of the Lord. Amen. Weren't you in the hospital last week? Oh, I'm blessed and highly favored of the Lord. How are you? That's not transparency. 
That's not honesty that's going to lead to deeper levels of relationship. You know, there's been people in my life that I've tried to enter into relationship with. And man, I'll tell you, it's like them and Jesus. Perfect. Them and Jesus. The only people who've ever walked the planet Earth that's never made a mistake. And I'm just like, I, I can't get down with this dude. He's just too perfect. And it's not that, I, I mean, I wish it was true, but it's like, we all have the Holy Spirit in us who gives us the ability to discern. And it's like, he's hurting, he's broken, he's, he's got some, but he's just too full of pride to open up. Let's not let that be us, right? We have to be willing to be transparent with the way that we're thinking, the way that we're feeling. We have to be willing to be a blessing to others. Stop hiding. Stop isolating Stop running. God is calling us into fellowship. Amen? Amen. So fellowship is more also than just attending church. I'm in fellowship. I go to church every Sunday, Eddie. Yeah, but you sit like way up in the back. You come in right before worship starts. And as pastor's praying, you slink out of here. And you never built relationship with anybody. We do realize like being in attendance is not the same as connecting, right? Amen. Right? Like you can be in a place and not be connected. We, you know, we had, we had a work event. There was a guy that I worked with who was retiring and uh, he had a retirement party. And so, I was like, I don't even really know the guy that well, but he's, he's, you know, he was generous to me and nice to me. And so I'm going to go to his retirement party, but I'm taking my wife because I'll let her socialize and I'll stand in the corner. So I was present, but I was not connecting. And too many of us are like that in the church. We attend, but we're not connecting, not building relationship, not getting involved in terms of serving in any way or any shape or form. We may not be giving. And listen, I'm not saying any of this because we need something. I'm saying this because you need something. We can't just attend. It's not enough. That's not fellowship. We have to get involved. We have to serve. We have to give. We have to use what we have been given, our time, talent, and treasure to be a blessing to the environment that we are attending so that we can connect and enter into fellowship. Amen? Amen. Bottom line is fellowship is about doing life together. Who in this church are you doing life with that doesn't live in the same house as you? (laughs) Right, Right, some of you, well, my kids, my wife my husband, no, that doesn't live in the same house as you. Who are you doing life with? You can't have fellowship just saying hi on Sunday morning. These two hours we get together on Sunday morning, it's not enough. And more than that, that's not what God is calling us to. He's saying go deeper. Just as last year I was calling you to draw more closely to me, this year draw closer to each other enter into partnership. We can see this concept played out a little bit in what the writer of Hebrews says in chapter 10. We're going to read verses 24 and 25. 
It says, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. So the first thing that he says is let us consider one another. I was, I, was, I was blessed this morning walking into the sanctuary. One of our faithful men here, Mark Nick, he pulls me aside. I, I saw him and, hey, how you doing? And, and he said, I, I want to talk to you. He pulls me aside and he says, how are you doing with the news of this young man that was beaten by these police officers? Because he, he understands how that impacts me. Yeah. And he said, I just, I just want to know how, how are you doing? That's a brother. That's someone I'm in fellowship with. Right? Why? Because he's, he's, he's considering me. So the writer is saying, fully observe or, or even discover one another for the purpose of stirring up love and good works. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another. And so much more as you see the day approaching. So fellowship has a requirement that we're in consideration of each other. Fellowship also requires that we gather together physically to love on one another. Even during COVID when we couldn't gather, we, I remember we, we discovered Zoom and we'd have these Zoom meetings and, and, and there'd be a lot of our church that was on the Zoom meeting. I, I, I still remember the day we log on and I see Eddie and Johanna. It's like, who are these people? Someone must have invited them. But no, they saw something online and, and, and so wanted fellowship that they connected to our Zoom meeting. I was like, that's bold. I wouldn't have done that shown up on Zoom, I might have come and attended a couple times and see what it felt like, but they, they wanted fellowship. And now they're one of our faithful couples and brothers and sisters in Christ. So we have to gather together if we're going to enter into fellowship. And then there's this, this, this thing called exhortation, exhorting one another. That's where we're drawing near and we're encouraging each other. and We're speaking life to one another. Who speaks life into you? Right? Who do you have in your life that is speaking life into you? Who do you have in your life that's challenging you to go beyond where you have set your limitations? Who are you accountable to in your life, right? Like all of us should have people in our lives, and you don't need a thousand, you just need a, f a few who can tell you no, right? right. right? And, and I'm not talking about your husband or your wife, right? Well, pastor said, I should be able to tell. I didn't stop. Don't pr bring me into that. Don't bring me into that. Y'all work that out. Do you have friends? Do you have leaders? Do you have uh, 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 brothers and sisters in Christ that can say, I, I, no, I don't, I don't agree with that. I don't think you need to do that. I, don't, I think you're living below your means here think you need to change this right fellowship isn't just let's have a meal and let's have coffee it's making a decision to enter into life together and as we do that we 
stir up love. We stir up good works. We get to this place where we become an asset to the lives of the people that we engage with, not a liability, right? Anybody got some liability people in your life? Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. (laughs) Don't scratch your face either, right? But there's, there's some people that are just like that. And here's the deal, you can love them and not allow them to have the same access to your life. I've had to make that decision over the last few years with people that have been in my life almost my entire life. Just come to a realization that, you know what, when, when, when you're around, just things don't go well. And it ain't me. Because I've searched my heart. You're just dysfunctional. And it throws me into dysfunction. It pulls me out of godly character. And so I, I, I love you and I'm pray for you, but, but you can't have the same access to my life. Well, that's not Christ-like. It absolutely is Christ-like. The Bible says bad company corrupts good character or good morals. Right? The Bible says don't cast your pearls before swine. Amen? Amen. So fellowship. Now in entering into fellowship, it's going to take some additional effort on your part. Uh, It will absolutely stretch most of us. Like me, who's more of an introvert, fellowship definitely stretches me. But I have found the benefits of choosing to get into fellowship are so much more than the pain of being stretched. Right? I remember when we first got saved and we had these small group meetings at our church and we were part of a small group. And my wife, she loves all that social stuff and she'd be all fired up because it's Friday. We have our fellowship with our small group tomorrow. And, and aren't you excited? And it's like, no, I'm, I'm really not. I don't even like those people. You know, like they're, you know, I just, when I'm around them, I just feel bad. Now, because of where I was, I realized I felt bad because I was a knucklehead and these people had their stuff together. And so because they had their stuff together and they were living godly and I was living like an idiot, it made me feel bad. It was conviction. That's good. That's a good thing. Right. But I didn't want to go. My wife did. And so I'd go and we'd get there and we'd leave. And it's like, man, I love that. It's just getting there. I hate. But once I'm there, I feel so encouraged. I feel strength and I feel hope. Right. Because they would share their testimony about how they came out of some of the junk I was battling with. But that stretched me. But stretching's good, right? When a, when, a, when a young man or a young woman is growing, they might have some pain in their knees. That's, that's called growing pains. That's a good thing. Can you imagine being 35 and still in the body of a five-year-old? That would be weird. And so in growing, there's some pain involved. So it is with fellowship. And there's some risk involved. You may have to open up. Well, last time I opened up this, I get it, but, but, but you've, you've got to open up. 
I was meeting with Cam on Friday. He asked me, what's the, what's the most difficult thing about pastoring? I said, man, when you give your life to people and then they just, they just walk out of your life. That's what's difficult. And there's a period of time in ministry, and I'll get back to the scripture in a second. There's a period of time in ministry where it was like, I ain't doing that no more. I'm not doing that, you know, and, and, and the Lord says to me, you, 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 can't, you can't do it that way. Well, Lord, like I, you got to help me deal with this pain when these people just like walk out, right? Like if I did something, I'll apologize, but that doesn't mean they need. And so he has helped me to heal from that and helped me to realize you, you can't do it the way. You can't, you can't enter into fellowship. You can't lead and pastor with walls up. And so there's going to always be an opportunity to be hurt. But I, God, am the healer. And so my point in telling you that story is, yes, there's risk involved in entering into fellowship. And you be becoming transparent with others and, and, and being a blessing to others. There is risk involved in that. But here's the deal. It's worth it. And if it gets taken advantage of, we can go to our father who is our healer. And he can heal us from those emotional wounds. We can't allow fear to dictate anything in our lives because fear is not happy with this little corner of your life. It wants to take over all of it. And so I don't care if it's fear of Heights or fear of failure or fear of getting hurt again. We cannot allow fear to rule us. And so entering into fellowship, it's going to take some effort. It's going to stretch you. And it does, there is a risk involved. But the benefits of it are much more. Amen. First John chapter one, starting in verse one, the apostle writes, he says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. He's, he's speaking about Jesus. The life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and to declare to you the eternal life, which was with the father and was manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard we declare to you, now listen to this, that you may also have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. Now, let me just stop there and show you something here that the apostle is talking about Jesus, how he was manifest and, and they, 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 they lived with him. They walked with him for, for three, three and a half years and they heard his message and, and now they're, they're sent to declare the message of Jesus Christ. And that's the message that we're declaring to you. And those who receive that message, you're in fellowship with us, but you're also in fellowship with our father and his son, Jesus. And so the first thing that I want to point out as far as a benefit of being in fellowship is that when we enter into fellowship, it draws us closer to our God. Because he says here, truly our fellowship is with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. Verse 5, it says, and this is the message which we have heard from him and declared to you 
that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So fellowship with other believers leads to fellowship with the Father and with our Lord Jesus Christ. But fellowship with others also brings us out of darkness. It brings us out of darkness. When I talk about didn't like going to these meetings and then when I go to the meetings and, and I, I, I love that I went, it was because I, I was transparent in those environments because I was around transparent people. And when I started to be transparent about what I'm dealing with or what I'm struggling with, there would be wisdom that came and I would feel hope. It no longer would be this black cloud of heaviness over me in hopelessness. It was, man, well, well Leland said this. Randy said, that, and, and I, I think I can do that. I can apply that. See, it brings us out of darkness. Too many of us are trying to fight these battles of things that we're struggling with on our own. And God is desiring to put us in fellowship so that we can lean on one another. Right? It's like I'm, I'm in the process right now of, of getting my master's degree. And one of the things about that that I'm not excited is I have to write this long thesis paper. And it's like, I don't want to do that. I, you know, can I just take the doggone classes? Keep the degree. I just want to take the classes then. But thankfully, I have a professor in my life. And so I'm like, hey, doc, man, listen, I got to write this thing. And, and he starts telling me, Here, here's, here's the perspective you need to have. About, and he's laying, and it's like, wow, it's, it's, it's not that bad of a thing. I think I can get it done. But when I start writing it, I'm going to need your help. I'm here for you. Right? Fellowship. Fellowship. When we enter into fellowship, it brings us out of darkness because now we can rely upon the wisdom and the gifting of God that is in those that we enter into fellowship with. You don't have it all. And that's okay. Because that causes you, that requires of you, let me put it that way, to lean on and into others. Amen? Fellowship with God and others also leads to us being cleansed from our sin. And we all have it. We all should not be living in sin. But we all have sinful thoughts or sinful ways or we get emotional about something that causes us to maybe lash out in anger and that's sinful. You know, we, we, all, we all are struggling. We're fighting against this thing called sin. Why is that? Well, because we still live in this flesh and it's corrupted, it's fallen, it's, it's, it's hopeless until we go on to be with Jesus in eternity. That's the reason why we'll get a new body It's because this thing right now is, is it, it's detrimental to our relationship with Christ. It wants what it should not want. And it sends strong signals. Amen. We just finished our 21-day fast. I'm sure there were some strong signals sent to you during that 21. Just eat the cookie, man. God will understand. But I said to God, I wouldn't. Man, just God understands. That's the flesh talking to you. Right? 
So fellowship with each other and with God, it cleanses us from sin. Now to be cleansed, it means to, to, to purify or to purge. I'm sure most of us that have been saved for any period of time, we have a testimony that we can share about sinful ways that we used to live. But then once we came into relationship with Christ and start to grow in our understanding of him and start to grow in our understanding of his love, those things that we used to have pleasure in, they become disgusting to us. It's because in that fellowship with God and others, it's purging us of those sinful desires and ways. I remember when I first got saved, there was a man I worked with. He was a Baptist and, and uh, uh, you know, we used to talk and I told him about me getting saved. And um, I used to have a filthy mouth, man. I used to cuss all the time. And when I got saved, I stopped cussing, but I would use like, alternative words. You know what I mean? I'm not going to say any of those now, but, but I would, and one day he says to me, why do you do that? I said, what? He said, you use, you, you say, it's like, well, I'm not cussing. He's like, yeah, but it's just a substitute for a cuss word. So what's the difference? And him like rebuking me in that way got me to think about that. And it's like, you know what? He's right. Because my mouth is saying this, but my heart and mind is saying this word. I thank God for him. Kevin was his name. I'm not going to say his last name, but his name is Kevin. I thank God for that faithful Baptist man who just challenged me on that because we had entered into fellowship. And he understood. This is not what God wants for you. Stop talking that way. Me at the time, not having any idea that God was calling me into ministry. I understand why that was one of the major things he had to take from me. Because you can't bless and curse from the same mouth. Right? Let's look at another benefit of entering into fellowship found in Galatians chapter 2, verses 6 through 10. It says, but from those who seem to be something, Paul is talking here, whatever they were, it makes no difference to me. God shows uh, personal favoritism to no man. For those who seem to be something added nothing to me. But on the contrary, when they saw that the gospel for the uncircumcised had been committed to me as the gospel for the circumcised was to Peter, for he who worked effectively in Peter for the apostleship to the circumcised also worked effectively in me towards the Gentiles. When, when James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that had been given to me, they gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship, that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. They desired only that we should remember the poor, the very thing which I also was eager to do. So let me kind of show you what's going on here. Paul has accepted Christ and um, he starts preaching the gospel to the, to the Gentiles, the, the non-Jewish people. And so he's going back to Jerusalem to just kind of give a report after all these years of how God has used him to, to, to plant churches all over the, the, the Gentile world and how God is leading the Gentiles into relationship with himself. And he's, he's given this report to Peter and James and John and all these guys that literally walked with Jesus. And Peter is the apostle to the Jewish people. Paul is the apostle to the Gentile people. And after hearing this report, they're like, you know what? That's the Lord. And so we enter into fellowship with you 
in that ministry. Remember, fellowship is partnership. So just as you are in agreement with us in ministering the gospel to the Jewish people, we are in agreement with you in ministering the gospel to the Gentiles. They entered into fellowship, right? Now, I'll tell you this. If you've ever undertaken anything that is any kind of substance, it helps to know that there are people in your corner supporting you. Right? And so when we enter into fellowship, we can discuss how God is using us. We can talk about how the Lord is speaking to us. We should be sharing that with one another so that we can mutually encourage one another. That we might even be able to give some further instruction or receive further instruction to help us be more successful in the thing that we've endeavored to do. Right? So when we make this decision to enter into fellowship, there's a grace and an empowerment that comes upon our lives from God to help us get the job done. Did you see what he said in... Uh, in verse 8, for he who worked effectively in Peter for the apostleship to the circumcised also worked effectively in me towards the Gentiles. There's this grace that came upon Paul's life, another level of grace that came upon Paul's life to empower him to do the work that he's called to do because of this fellowship. Now, the reason why I think that came is now Peter, James, and John and their group, they're praying for Paul and Barnabas. They're crying out to God for them. The Lord's waking them up at night saying, Paul needs prayer right now. Pray. I feel sorry for people who are out there on their own. Who's praying for you? Who's warring in the spirit for you? Who is God speaking to? Right? And, and, and even if you're not in fellowship, I still believe because God is good, he still has people praying for you, right? 9-11, I was telling the story. I remember the day of 9-11 and I'm in my prayer closet and I'm seeing like these Polaroids of people. I have no idea who they are. I've never seen them. I don't know their names. I just heard the Lord say, pray for them. And I felt a, to pray a prayer of protection and, and, and comfort. So I get out of my prayer closet. I call my friend who lives in New Jersey Say, hey, what you doing? He said, man, I'm looking at this deal about these airplanes hitting the World Trade Center. What were you talking about? So I get on TV. I'm looking at it. Second plane hits. The Lord says, that's who you've been praying for. Right? I don't know these people, but God still had me praying for them. How much more when we're in fellowship with one another? Right? I thank God that I'm in relationship with Cheryl and Tim. I know they're praying for me and my family. Right? I thank God that I didn't let the hurts, the ministry hurts of the past, keep me in a place of putting up walls so that no one really gets in. And therefore, I'm not getting the prayer covering that I need in order to live out this life in a manner that glorifies God. Fellowship. Fellowship raises up a prayer covering for you. Fellowship causes people to just cry out to God on your behalf. Paul is telling us, they gave me the right hand of fellowship. They'd enter into partnership with me. They came into agreement with me 
and another level of grace comes upon his life. Psalm chapter 133 teaches us this. It says, behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron running down on the edge of his garments. It is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. Now listen to this. For there the Lord commands the blessing life forevermore. So you mean to tell me the scripture says by entering into relationship, entering into true fellowship with other believers, it causes God's blessing to come upon my life? Absolutely. Well, I'm already blessed. Do you want to be more blessed? Right? I'm blessed, but I'll take more. There's still room in my cup for blessing. Right? And even if there isn't, good. Give me more than enough so that that overflow I can get to others. Right? Fill my cup to full and overflow so I can, let me catch some of that. And Doc, you need some? Jolene. Right? So in this place of fellowship where we come into a unity and agreement with one another, God looks at that. He says, it's pleasing. It's pleasant. Let me command my blessing there. Let me speak life there. but I'm afraid of being hurt. I get that. Get over that fear so that you can walk in the fullness of what God desires for you to walk in. Let's look at another, Philippians chapter one, verses three through six. Paul says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you, making requests for you all with joy. For the fellowship and the gospel uh, from, the, from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. So Paul is speaking to the believers in Philippi, and he's saying, like, because from the very start you guys decided to enter into fellowship with me, you, you, you decide to partner with me in ministry. Because of that and because of your commitment to me, I joyfully pray for you. I'm constantly bringing your name before the throne of God. And you know, because of their fellowship with Paul, I believe, and I think I can prove it scripturally, that everything that Paul did in his ministry, these believers that he's writing to in Philippi, they get some kind of credit for that as well. So the Bible says, give a glass of water to a prophet, you receive a prophet's reward. So think about that. Because reward is important. Some say, I just want to be saved. I don't care about reward. I do. I care about reward. I really do. And I don't think it's a bad thing for me to care about reward because God wants us to get all that he wants to give us. In fact, there's the story, and when you read in the book of Revelation, it's not, not a story. It's the picture that God gave the apostle John, how there's a period of time when the throne of God is surrounded in heaven, and the 24 elders, they cast their thrones, they cast their corns, crowns at the feet, getting tongue-tied here, casting their crown at the feet of Jesus. I don't want to break off this little ring and be like, here you go, Jesus. I want a big old crown. 
that I can cast, that I can give as an offering to my Lord. Not because I want to seem great, but because he's been great to me. He's been too great to me for me to just break off a little ring and toss at his feet. Amen. And so in this time of fellowship and there's, there's, there's prayer that is taking place for one another and there's care for one another, but then the, the work that we're doing together, whether we're physically involved or not, whether we're just praying for the work or actually going out and doing the work, we both get the same reward. We can stand before the Lord and say, Lord, I've been faithful to pray for my brother and my sister. I need you to do this for me. I need you to open this door. I need you to give this level of direction. Fellowship. We've got to enter into partnership. Now, as I close, I want to look at a warning about fellowship because, you know, our next, next time when we get together and we're looking at this, uh, this topic of fellowship, we'll, we'll take a look at the first century church and what fellowship looked like for them and how they practice it. But I, I want to give us all a warning about fellowship, not necessarily about fellowship, but about relationships. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 14 through 18, Paul says, Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Now, let me just stop there. Paul's not saying don't have relationship with people who don't believe in Christ. He's saying don't be unequally yoked together with them. Don't enter into partnership with them. I had this friend... He's still a friend and he has this business idea and he wants me to get in, in on it with him. And it's like, man, that's a great idea. This is what I can do. You know, this is your skill set. This is my skill set. It's a perfect match. We can make a lot of money. Let's do this. And so, you know, we, we have that conversation. We come into this place of agreement. I get alone and I'm in my prayer clause and the Lord saying, you, you, you can't do that. Well, okay. Why Lord? Like, He's not a believer. He said, if you enter into a partnership with him, it's going to be disastrous. And he just started to show me, you're going to want to tithe off the prophets. He's going to think that's crazy. You're going to want to do this. And he, he's, he's not going to want to do that. He's going to cut corners. And your name's going to be attached to that when it gets found out. And it's like, whoa, I had to get back on the phone and say, bro, I, I, I can't do it. Why not? This would be, I get it. But, but do you believe in giving 10% of our profits? What you talking about? That old tithe thing? Yeah, that old tithe thing. I just, and I just, I broke this down to him. And so I said, so what you need to do is get saved. <laughs> right? So you need to get saved then we can do this and we can make some money. Right? So he prayed a prayer. I don't think he's saved. So I haven't done it. Now why am I talking about this? Well, because there's it just can I just say it the way I feel it? I just get sick of Christian people. We act so 
goofy sometimes. When the word is clearly saying, don't be unequally yoked with, with unbelievers, and we're saying, well, but what if God wants to say, well, then let him save them and then do that. Right? It's like people who, they're dating someone. Well, they're not a believer, but, but I think God can, it ain't a question of what God can and can't do. It's whether or not they'll respond. And so don't do that. Don't do that. You're in this. In fact, let's read it again. First Corinthians chapter six, verse 14. And, and as I read this, I want to know, is, is, is Paul suggesting something here? Or is he commanding? Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. When my, when my kids were little, and I say, don't touch the grill, it's hot. That wasn't a suggestion, it was a command. Don't play in the street, right? You better not say that. Those are not suggestions, doc. Those are commandments. Through, this, through Paul, the Spirit of the Lord is saying, do not enter into fellowship with unbelievers. You can have friendship, you can, you can, you know, you can hang out and all that, but don't go discussing your marital issues with a non-believer. Don't go getting career advice from a non-believer. Right? Don't go do stuff financially that's contrary to the Bible that some non-believer told you. They're not mindful of the things of God. And as sons and daughters of God, we must be mindful of that at all times, in all situations. Amen? Let's keep reading. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? The answer is none. What communion has light with darkness? Thank you. And what accord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has a believer with unbelievers? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. And as God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. He's taking ownership of us. Doesn't the scripture say that? You are not your own, but you were purchased at a price, the precious blood of Jesus. So since I don't belong to me, that means I can't do whatever I want to do. Verse 17, therefore, come out from among them and be separated, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. I will be a father to you you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Now, why am I reading this? I'm reading this because I want to give us all a warning that we can't be in fellowship with people who don't follow Christ. Or, let me even say it this way, don't even get into fellowship with a lukewarm believer. Jesus says, I'll spew you out of my mouth. 
That partnership needs to be with other people who are pursuing Christ, who desire Christ, who desire his will, just like you do. And we're only asking for heartache and disappointment when we enter into fellowship with someone who doesn't follow the Lord. And I can hear it now. But what about Bobby? I've been friends with him since I was in kindergarten. Well, do not be unequally yoked. Right? There's no exception to this. Don't do it. And this is why we're saying, like, I get frustrated because of how goofy we can be as, as Christians. We can get on this, 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 this grace thing that is not the biblical grace. We can get into this grace that actually makes us foolish. Thinking we're being godly and just creating problems for ourselves. Then we go on to the Lord. Like, Lord, I why? because I told you not to be unequally yoked with a non-believer but you thought you knew better. And so this is what you're dealing with. Now repent, and then I'll step in, and I'll get you back on track. But let's not have to repent and just realize I I can be friends, but I cannot enter into partnership. Right? Does that sound mean? Good. So if it did, I'll say, take it to the Lord in prayer. He said it, not me. So we're going to talk over the next couple of weeks what it looks like to be in fellowship, right? But I just encourage everyone here and everyone watching online to make a decision right now. I'm going to enter into fellowship. There might be stuff in my past that has caused me to, to proceed with caution. I get it. I get it. But the question is, do you want what God wants for your life or not? Because he's saying to us, draw near to each other. You spent the last year drawing near to me. Now draw near to each other. Not that we stopped drawing near to God, but now let's together come into his presence. Amen? Let's now together pursue his will and his purpose for our lives. And there's going to be a blessing that we'll receive from that. So, Father, we thank you.